You're listening to Soul Crush, a podcast dedicated to embodied spirituality, sexuality, and stories that soothe and inspire the soul. Each episode will be interviewing and having conversations with different teachers, healers, artists, people who have really taken hold of the wounding that they've experienced in life as a human and have learned how to extract the juice of creativity and um, empowerment that is inside of it. Our wish is that you deeply receive the transmission of each episode welcoming you into a greater alignment with your own soul's purpose and passion. Enjoy the episode and let us know if you have any questions. Adriana and today I want to share with you a little bit about what embodiment means what it is and how do we embody and express the love that we are this question I'm currently in Maui in an area called Hana and it's very very remote and you know jungle i'm i'm in the jungle it feels very um wet and abundant and you know when i was driving yesterday and i could see you know these plants these huge plants just untamed nature you know like coming off the side of the mountain almost like to the point where it didn't even it looked like you know like it was 5 5D, you know, I mean, it, it was insane. And I felt like I was on acid, you know, it was so beautiful. And it had me thinking about being on acid. <laughs> and also Ramdas, because I have just also visited Ramdas's home yesterday. Many of you know who Ramdas is now, um, especially the past few years. He really kind of blew up, I think, because of Instagram. <laughs> Um, but I've been a student and, and kind of lover of Ramdas for a really long time. Um, his book, Be Here Now, like for many people, really ignited and, and affirmed something in me, I think because of the LSD connection, the psychedelic connection. And I really use psychedelics a lot. And I mean a lot <laughs> when I was in high school. And I really it really helped me. You know, it really helped me to to really when i look back now i didn't think about it then i was just being you know a teenager and you know doing what teenagers do but it really helped me to to stay kind of sane in a way you know i i think i always felt not okay you know um i think when you have any kind of trauma you know and by even and, and a big trauma too like they call it big t is really anything that's um, any kind of emotional, physical, sexual abuse, neglect as a kid. It's also any divorce or if you had a parent that had any kind of substance issues, substance abuse issues. 
And so, you know, trauma really, it, it, it disconnects us, right, from who we are, right, meaning our, our authentic self, right? We start to kind of build unconsciously these coping mechanisms and protectors in our body, not just our minds. Like this is obviously psychological, but, you know, from the, where I work, which is really in the body, although, you know, the mind naturally gets affected, they're connected, but is, is really that our nervous system, right? It develops a certain um, capacity even, or um, our attachment to our caregivers when we're very young, depending on how present our caregivers were or not, you know, it, it has a, a tremendous, you know, um, Dr. Gabor Mate has a really great talk, uh, which I've shared a lot with, with, um, we, with my students over the years about the relationship between authenticity and attachment because they're really interwoven. You know, we, we conform and we start distorting ourselves unconsciously at a very young age to get the care and the nurturance and the love that we need, you know, because love is a human need. You know, without love, we would die. And, you know, sometimes it's not so literal, you know, like we feel unloved and then we just actually die. But it leads us to so many things that take away our life. And so for some, you know, if you look at addiction, that abuse could transform into addiction. And that addiction can take a life. I've experienced this directly with my father. And so to really own this, right, and, and being in Ramdas's home yesterday and Ramdas really was love incarnated, like love in a body. And although, you know, he had a stroke at one point in his life, as many of you know, and, and his body, you know, he was in a wheelchair and it, it was very intense, you know. And, and so he really held this, this energy, right, of of unconditional love in a palpable way. Like you could really, really feel it in his presence. And if you listen to his talks, you know, you, you get it, you feel it, you feel the soul connection and you feel it in this human way. It's very human. It's different than nature in a certain way. You know, I, I, a lot of the work we do with the body temple training is that we move and we, we um, activate and we embrace and we also, um, you know, come into contact with exiled parts of ourselves through the elements, through connecting to our body as nature, because it is, right? The earth, uh, our body, right? It, it has this, um, this state of being, right? That's very dense. You can see it. We can see it, right? We can feel it. I can clap my hands, you know, if you have, um, if you're able to do that, if you have an able body in that way, right? But without that even, right, the essence of who we are, that core of bliss or, um, you know, takes on many forms, right? Unconditional love, the flavor of compassion, of erotic energy, of um, like, like tender, tenderness, like, and, and, and the doorway to all of that is oftentimes heartbreak and grief. And many of us are already familiar with grief, even if you haven't experienced any close loss, because 
it can feel uncomfortable to be in a body. And so I'm not sure if it's the soul that's grieving being in such a tight container (laughs) or like the psyche, right? There's lots of different ways we can look at it, but it kind of feels like that, you know? And I think a lot of our escape mechanisms, you know, they, they really provide us with relief when we need it. And, and there has to be a lot of compassion and forgiveness around the ways that we choose to deal with the discomfort of being a human. Because shaming ourselves in one another doesn't heal the sense of, well, one, it doesn't heal trauma. Two, it doesn't heal our sense of not belonging. It doesn't heal addiction. You know, it, they're all almost in the same frequency, you know? So healing shame, you know, requires that we reflect and that we go towards, you know, ever so slightly, we recognize the discomfort and we allow it to come have a seat at the table. We invite it for a walk when we're overwhelmed. So... I feel very grateful, you know, that I got to really feel Ram Dass yesterday. I meditated in Ram Dass's room where he sat and, you know, stared out at the ocean. And, you know, I really felt him. And I had been on retreat with Ram Dass about seven years ago. And it, blew, it just blew my heart wide open. But it blew me open to both love and joy and grief and like the sea of my humanity that I had been avoiding up until then. There's a great film called Becoming Nobody. And you know, you see Ram, some of Ram Dass's home in the film. But being there, you know, and, and really sensing and, and feeling so viscerally, right, and feeling it in my body, just that presence of love, like from another human, you know, it's, it's very um, moving and, you know, I'm feeling emotional talking about it because it connects us to the core of who we are and so much of our suffering comes from, as you all know, you know, this endless seeking for relief. When the relief is in our own heart. It takes, you know, so many different pathways to to get there, right? But Ultimately, that's what we're that's what we're working with, and you know, there's so many great stories, um, and I got to spend some time yesterday because a lot of people were out of the house because it was Mother's Day and they were doing an event, so it was very quiet there. And I got to spend some time with one of Ram Dass's longtime caretakers, just a beautiful man, and some of his shares, you know, of Ramdas as a friend and, you know, feeling this evolutionary process, you know, of dying in such peace and, and so ready. And at the same time, like not, you know, like human, but divine, you know. 
one of the things that he said to me that I wanted to share with you, one was just like a lot of his humanness, you know, Ramdas was very funny and, you know, told a lot of jokes. And, you know, even after his speech became limited because of his stroke, you know, he was, you know, silly and, you know, just human, right? And what he said was that it was like when he died and he showed me some images of Ram Dass's body, you know, covered in flowers and how so many different people and native people and spiritual teachers and so many people came to give him these blessings to, you know, give him the, the prayers, right, from the, the Tibetan prayers for the dying and all for liberation. You know, his whole life was, was geared towards liberation towards being free of the cycle of life and birth and death. And, you know, it's a very radical incarnation that he took and, and legacy of love that he's left. And what he said was, it was like Ramdas had finally become, like you could see even the expression on his face, like he had finally become who everybody thought he was. And I thought that was so beautiful because... Well, for so many different reasons, but it reminded me of like, again, like that humanness, right? And it's not just part of it is that, you know, we project, right? Ramdas, it has, you know, all the, like this is charismatic teacher. And, you know, it doesn't mean that Ramdas was a perfect human or he was always nice even, right? But so it, part of it is just this human projection from my experience, right? We we project, you know, what we what we are onto others, right? And and some people have this way or the karma or whatever to to kind of project and then reflect, right? We're this in the, we're in this process of transference of then unconditional love of of beauty of joy of bliss, right? Along with you know his own experience and practice over many years of focusing on unconditional love of love and compassion as a state of being, not just a feeling, right? So I don't want to take that away. It's, uh, it's not all a projection, arguably. There was an essence of who he was, you know, beyond our mind and our hearts. But how important, you know, the relationship is, you know, how important it is for us to be connected and how we don't know our own beauty and strength and, wisdom and love and empowerment without the reflection of of others i think it helps to come into contact with that and befriend you know both the enemies and the lovers inside of us on our own over time you know because i came from a very cobra um i was gonna say sober codependent so i said cobra <laughs> it's a new word you know, a a very codependent, um, intensely, you know, like deathly codependent, um, consciousness that really like needed others for my okayness and in very deep ways that, you know, the process and the initiation out of that was very painful, but really brought me to a place of sovereignty within myself that is very sweet and very tender that I can be alone, you know? Some people like being alone and I love being alone now, but I don't just mean that whether you like it or not. I mean like I I couldn't before. 
You know, it's not just like, what do you like? Are you introvert, extrovert? It was like, I could not be alone and be okay. I couldn't even not be attached to a sexual partner for a period of time and, not, and be okay. Because I, I needed connection. Desperately. To be okay. So that transformational process of, of becoming and continually, you know, I haven't arrived in moments, but it's a continual process of becoming a sovereign being, right? Like whole within myself. And then relationships, they take you out of that. You know, they take us out of that sense of wholeness. If we've arrived, you know, you enter an intimate relationship and that will get challenged and it's supposed to. Because there's new information, new, new layers of you or of your karma even, you can think about it, to be loved, to be liberated. And that's what we're here to do. Whether you want, you know, your ultimate goal is liberation or you just want to find fulfillment in this life. We're here to love. And that includes, right, and it always comes back to our own experience of love. When I was meditating in Ram Dass's room and I was praying and I, I cried when I saw his bed, the bed that he died in, you know, I, I have such a long history of love for this person, but also it's like this love for myself that I'm continually seeking, you know, through the relationships that I have. And, and not in like a self-absorbed way, it's like, that, that aside, because self-absorption isn't self-love. It's a dishonoring, you know, self-absorption. It's different. And, and we all have it in different degrees, you know, or it comes and goes, right? But, and it's something that we work with just like a negative mind or, you know, a, a, a kind of disassociative, you know, always positive mind. When we're rooting ourselves in the body and into something real, we have to really slow down and listen to our hearts and listen to our own song. What wants to be sung through our life. You know, Ram Dass had his incarnation and his life and his song, and we have ours. And they're all kind of streaming together and, and meeting in certain moments and then, you know, coming apart into different streams and rivers and obviously all flowing from this one source, this one ocean of passionate compassion and unconditional love and like radical affirmation of aliveness. You know, if you spend time with the ocean, it has everything. And the intensity and the power of it and the depth of it and the, the lightness of being that you can feel floating on it, right? So I want to close my talk with a, a poem by Rumi. 
called Story Water. I've been reading it a lot lately in our trainings and everything. But it reminds me a lot of this, of my own personal relationship to Ram Dass and how much it's really changed me and like helped me remember how tender of a being that I am and how that's a good thing. Because the world and some of the ways that I was raised, you know, really didn't allow for the tenderness to be nurtured or um, seen as a gift. You know, the sensitivity is, is something to, to avoid and to hide because it includes hurt, you know. The essence of any of our difficult emotions is hurt. So anytime you're upset with somebody or in something, it's like looking for your own hurt and, and tending to it is going to, is going to help you embody the love that you came here to be and strengthen, right? To find this strength in sensitivity to be able to serve, knowing that it's not just you that's, that's giving, right? But that you're connected to everything and that it's everything that's giving through you. And that's a lot to hold. <laughs> and again, why, why I think we really need one another to help us hold the intensity of that, but also to, to help us remember when we forget. You know, one of Ram Dass's favorite lines is meet or treat everyone you meet like God in drag. And it's a deep practice if you ever try to do it, you know. When I spoke to Ram Dass one time over Skype, he shared with me his love for the New York City subways. And, and just in that sharing of, you know, how you might be the only one on the subway that knows you're a soul. It changed my experience of being on the subway of the crowded L train, you know, going to work, feeling like, like waking up just like, you know, and then I start after that looking around and just feeling the soul to soul to soul to soul to soul to soul connection. And from my experience and from what I like to really share in our Power of Love School teachings is that depth of connection to how we are the same, right? That, that our humanity and that we've incarnated as humans brings us into this, this connection, right? That if you're hurting on some level, I'm hurting. And that if you're more free on some level, I'm free, right? And then also honoring that we have this human, you know, incarnations that are so vast and experiences that are so vastly different from one another. It's why traveling, you know, is so important with reverence and respect. And it's like it really awakens us to how different our lives are, you know, but also what is the same, and I really feel like we came here in this time to open ourselves, to let our hearts break, in, broke, break open wide enough to hold both, to hold the oneness that we carry and to dance in the separation and to dance 
in the difficulties, in the discomforts, as we kind of rub up against one another and help each other grow and heal and awaken. And also to honor and to listen to one another's wisdom. Because everybody has it. Everybody has wisdom. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody can grow their worth, even around money and their sense of belonging in the world. You know, that's a huge piece of it for a lot of us. That the spiritual side of things won't, it's not meant to really go there so much. I mean, it is all inside of it, right? There, there isn't a separation on some level, but you don't have to, we don't have to fit everything into one neat box. You know, you're a complex, beautiful human. Here's the poem by Rumi. And we'll close with this. It's called Story Water. A story is like water that you heat for your bath. It takes messages between the fire and your skin. It lets them meet. And it cleans you. Very few can sit down in the middle of the fire itself like a salamander or Abraham. We need intermediaries. A feeling of fullness comes, but it usually, it takes some bread to bring it. Beauty surrounds us, but usually we need to be walking in a garden to know it. The body itself is a screen to shield and partially reveal the light that's blazing inside your presence. Water, stories, the body, all the things we do are mediums that hide and show what's hidden. Study them and enjoy this being washed with a secret we sometimes know and then not. Study them and enjoy this being washed with a secret we sometimes know and then not. I hope this finds you in a moment where you can really receive. And we have a lot of, you know, really exciting things coming up, mainly our body temple training, where we'll share a lot of the, the meditation and movement practices in more detail as well as facilitation. So any of you that are facilitators or healers or dancers or yoga teachers that want to take the somatic work to a deeper level, that's what we're going to be doing. And I'm going to be enjoying the rest of my time here in Maui. You know, people kept asking, why are you going? I said, and sometimes I would just say for Ramdas and they'd be like, yeah, but what, what brought you there? <laughs> And it's like, it's like weird that I would come, you know, all the way here to spend time in Ramdas's room after he's died. But, you know, he died right before COVID and I would have came right away if I could have. So, you know, to me, it's not weird. I mean, so many years of my life, I was leading teacher trainings, yoga teacher trainings and teaching people in yoga studios about Ramdas, who really brought yoga like to America, you know, and in many ways, lots of people did. Um, but he was one of them. And, you know, 
a lot of people didn't know. And, and he also introduced the deeper um, inner yoga practices, right? Next to the, uh, the physical asana practices, which is such a beautiful offering and had this, you know, uh, incarnation to have a guru, you know, an Indian guru, which is so rare, you know, and, and to really be steeped in the tradition, but also, you know, the ways that it's evolving through him and now the ways that it's evolving through the many that have, you know, loved and absorbed and received so much Shakti and, and uh, wisdom from his teachings. So it's not weird, you know, to feel the pull of your soul and to know you have to go somewhere to receive something that you can't receive where you are, you know? I mean, <clears throat> depending on, you know, you're obviously it's a very privileged thing to be able to, you know, do something like that. So it's not that you can't, there's many ways, right? I want to be specific about that, that you can receive wisdom, you know, especially nowadays, it's all here, right? You don't have to go anywhere. I mean, I just, we didn't go anywhere for a long time, you know, during um, this pandemic. So I think we all got a good deep dose and taste of what is possible, right? Without going here and going there and the groundedness that, and, and the wisdom of being grounded, right? Which I think is important for sure. But, you know, I really, when I feel the pull to a place and like the, the mountain Haleakala, I felt the name when my friend said it, I felt it. I knew I had to come. And when I went, by the end, I knew why. I didn't know, you know, before I came. I couldn't have known, you know. But I have had that feeling and trusted it, or at least just fucking did it anyway, enough times to know that I can trust it. And that I can trust myself, you know. And that's taken a very long time to cultivate. So I'll leave you with some self-trust. And to really, you know, take that risk. You know, intimacy, self-intimacy, we do a lot of, you know, um, sacred sexuality work now because we've really gone into these areas where, you know, most people, especially in the spiritual world, have tended to avoid because I really see that as the process of integration and, and really embodying this love that we came here to be. So that being said, leaving you with lots of self-love and trust and intimacy, you know, that requires we we take these risks and we learn you know from our mistakes and we build trust within ourselves and with one another you know through through taking a a chance you know that's rooted in wisdom not just what's good or bad in our mind that plays a part of it you know the the intelligence we need to really keep actually not just taking these these heart risks but to really then be able to integrate it and ground it in our reality but also to remember this, the heart and the ways that it will take us where we need to go when we listen. Lots of love and blessings to you and take really good care. Hey, thank you so much, friends, for joining us on this episode of Soul Crush. You can find us on Instagram at Art of Loving. Please send us any questions, insights. You may have inspirations for guests. And feel free to share this podcast with any of your friends and loved ones. We're sending you so much love, respect, and healing energy to your journey and to all that you are becoming.